0: Ever since the 1st tick of time, you brought order to a world undefined. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the
1: Genesis West Podcast.
0: Our, our teaching team, team is made up of men, men and women who
1: love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which, which our, our community, community
0: responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to, to expand, expand in faith, faith,
1: hope, and love.
0: our scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 22, 1 through 14. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call all those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who've been invited, Look! I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready. But those invited, we're not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: All right. Thanks, Jenny. Uh, So this is a parable, uh, and it's a story within a story. It's hidden depths of meaning are meant to invite people into an entirely new way of seeing something. The big question is, what are we meant to see in this one? Uh, Our work today won't be easy. (laughs) The king, in case you weren't sleeping, in case you were paying attention, which is typically, you know, we think of God as the king, uh, it retaliates against the people that didn't want to come to his party and that murdered his own servants by murdering them and burning down their city. So what has become too familiar to us and what really uh, probably needs some new light shed on it, that's what we're going to look at. So uh, let's recap the parable. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, can be compared to a king, all right, so far so good, who has prepared a huge wedding banquet for his son. So far so good. Lots of familiar themes in the scriptures there, right? Uh, But uh, so, Imagine a raging wedding reception. Imagine your favorite wedding reception that you've ever been to. I was at one uh, for my friend Natalie and her husband Chris. And Ben, my son Ben had a tie on and he danced the whole night long. And I mean, he legit like had women in their 20s entranced and circled around him. I mean, he was in his full glory. The wine was flowing. That there was all kinds of amazing. So this was a great. So that's that's the picture. Okay, that's the picture. And everyone's invited. But then the parable takes an odd turn when the servants go out to collect the people and say, "Hey, you've been invited. You know, put the clothes on and come." Uh, not only do they not come, but they mistreat those servants, and they even kill those servants. And so when the king finds out, as I just said, he gets becomes so enraged. That he sends his soldiers out to kill every single person who hasn't, uh, who, who mistreated his servants, killed his own servants, and aren't coming to the party. And then, as if that wasn't enough, he burns down the whole city. So that sounds like a peacemaker. Amen? No, lots of problems here. So then the king orders the servants, new servants, to go back out and gather whoever was left in the city. And it says good people and bad people to fill his banquet hall because he wants to party like it's 1999, my friends. That's what's going on. But even that is not the end of the story. That might have a hint of happy ending. There will be no happy endings in this parable. Thank you very much. <laughs> when the king notices that one of his guests isn't dressed in the traditional wedding robes, becomes apoplectic with rage, throwing the man into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth for not wearing a wedding robe. The parable ends with this ominous warning, for many are called, but few are chosen. So let's do a little bit of an all play question. I'm just going to open it up and say, what are your comments, thoughts, or noticings about this parable parable so far. Let's take our time. What are your questions? What are your noticings? What are your thoughts? And for once, I don't have to fake it and say, Oh, I can't, I wish I could read your comments. <laughs> Actually, can read your comments. Um So questions, comments, thoughts, am I seeing them? Okay, from Danny Cook. I thought God wanted us to choose him, but that sounds like we don't have a choice in the matter. Ooh, wow, 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 wow. From Shannon Tin. Who is doing the choosing? Is it us choosing God or God choosing us? So good. Uh, Becky's feeling some anger. Totally, totally. Um, (laughs) How very Lutheran of you, Dan. I think that's from (laughs) Kiera. Uh, if the slaves were started to gather everyone, was someone cast out? <sighs> I'm noticing the king is scary, it makes me want to not be close to him, Jamie looks and says. <laughs> and Danny Cook back to Kara. <laughs> Thanks, Kara. Very Lutheran. Even though, of course, we all know that Danny Cook is a was raised as a good Catholic. You know, we all we all are very aware of that. Uh okay, so here's here's the big question. Does the God revealed in Jesus? Across the scriptures, across the New Testament especially, does he retaliate against those who reject him? Uh, this, This parable probably really is about the people who are rejecting Jesus and who had rejected the prophets. We know from Matthew 21 that Jesus is talking to scribes and Pharisees, so he's directing it right to the religious leaders. We know that this is during the Passion, this is during Holy Week, so Jesus is about to be executed. And so the temperature is turned really, really high. But it's really interesting, if you look at, um, if you look at Luke 14, this parable is given in a much, it's the same exact parable, but it's given in a very different light. I'll summarize it this way. Same thing, king wants to throw a banquet, wedding banquet for his son, sends out invitations. But instead of killing the servants, the people just say, Ah, we're busy. I have to bury my father. I have crops to, you know, collect. And so basically the king just says, Okay, well, fine. Doesn't kill him, doesn't burn the city, just does the same thing. Collect everyone else, the good and the bad. I want my party filled. And that's, and there's no one rejected because he's not wearing the right wedding clothes. It's just kind of this parable filled with grace, right? It's the same parable, but it's told radically differently. And so you have to ask the question, like, is this a midrash? Is one a midrash of the other? Or did Jesus tell the same parable twice to different groups of people? (laughs) Now, here's an all play question. Why do you suppose that both versions of this parable are included in the Gospels? Why do you think that the version that might be considered a little lighter, a little more graceful—the one in Luke, the one I just explained—is included alongside the one here in Matthew, which is kind of scary? I agree. I'm going to agree with Jenny Gullicson that it—it it like if this is the kind of king that is the king that's going to murder people, burn down the city. I'm not sure that I want to, and that, that kind of came is scary. Why do we think that both of these are included? Is there a right one and a wrong one? Or, or is there a different reason? Okay, Danny Cook, because Matthew and Luke were writing to different people and trying to communicate into their specific cultures and contexts from will lee uh, maybe people need the different versions of the parable, different phases of their faith Whew. i love both of those answers um, you know like will's answer like at one point in time you need a certain kind of message from god and from the church and from people but at another phase in your life you might need something different i like that and and i really like Dan's too yes different cultures context different different crowd From Jenny Hill, maybe so the reader can find themselves in the text. Yes. Remember, the Bible is not meant to be just one reading and one answer. It's meant to be, as we've said so many times, like a 70-sided diamond where where the, the light hits it in different ways and you see different things across different times. That's very important to realize and to recognize. It's also sometimes, you guys, meant to make us angry. So we question it. And so we wrestle with it. And so we talk with each other about it. Like sometimes it's really, it's really um, on purpose. It's meant to rattle your cage so that you don't just go, oh, okay, well, that's lovely. That's beautiful. That's awesome. There's another amazing story that I'm so amazed by. Thank God for that. It's so that 10, 12, 20, 50 people can gather together and go, what was that? Right? Okay, so is God angry and petulant? That's a question I I have. Sometimes you read in parts of the scriptures and you go, absolutely. God seems very angry and petulant when God demands to Moses that God just tells Moses at times, I'm going to wipe these people out. I'm, I'm going to wipe them off the map. And then Moses says, hey, God, that's kind of off-brand for you, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but then you've got to wonder, too, like, is that really what God was thinking? Or is that what the writer back in the Bronze Age was thinking that God was thinking? You know what I mean? Like, now I don't know the answer to that question, but I think that's a pretty good question, right? Same thing with this parable. So, will only a few really be chosen? There's that line at the end. Many are called, but few are chosen. That sounds like now. Now that sounds really brutal. Because do we choose God, or does God choose choose us? Is it set before the foundation of creation? Who's in? Who's out? That goes against some things, right? So let's take. uh, Let's try to answer those questions. So I hope you're you're going to settle in here for the next few hours. (laughs) No, actually, I promise. I have a timer that is set, so I won't go too far over. But you got to give me some grace. This is my first live sermon in like five months. Feels like five years, okay. So in order to answer those questions, um, let's take the three groups of invited guests, okay? Remember who they were? So again, this is the Matthew version. So the first uh, group is those people that were invited but didn't come, okay, and also mistreated the servants, killing them. The second are those who were invited but did come, and it's mentioned the good and the bad that drank the wine, danced with Ben, entranced you know, all the people ate the pie and then third the one person who was invited and in did come but refused to wear the wedding clothes and was later thrown out so let's go uh group number one those who were invited but didn't come now here's something that we cannot miss okay you, you, you gotta catch this now these are the people that you know we sort of these are the these are the religious leaders These are the which Jesus many times calls hypocrites. But even them, all of them, you guys catch this, are told they are what? All of them are told they are invited. Come, come, fill my party, dance with me, celebrate my son. They're all told they have a place at the table. They're all told that they're welcome. They're all told that um, they are absolutely in. There's no outside of inside, got it? And, not but, and they rejected the invitation, okay? We don't know why, but in this story, they rejected the invitation. Now again, what about the murder and the burning? What about the retaliation that Jesus says the king? Now my own interpretation of that is, is that we are not to make um, like an ironclad theology on hell, on this particular one verse. Jesus is being extremely confrontational. And Jesus uses hyperbole in many other places. uh, If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Do we really, like none of us are taking that seriously. We're not creating a theology about lust based on self-mutilation. So we got to be careful not to create a theology based on a parable that is filled with hyperbole. It still bothers me, but I just want to say, let's press the pause button on saying that absolutely God is like that, that God burns people who doesn't want to come to their party because that contradicts many, many, many other portions of scripture still bothers me, but I'm just saying that you gotta, you gotta, you know, you got to notice that, okay? I want to call out one comment. John Powell said that third category of person, that person that's not wearing the wedding clothes, the last one is my hero, nonviolent resistance. <laughs> I love that. We'll get to that in a second, John. Uh, so group, no- okay, one more thing about group number one. Perhaps Jesus is saying this at the very least. This is very urgent business, and I want your attention. I refuse to be the mascot for your agenda. As Brian McWhite said in the sermon a few weeks ago, no one, Jesus doesn't follow anyone's agenda, okay? Jesus refuses to be the mascot for your political party, for your view, for your theological opinion. Um, there's no counterfeit parties that are in Jesus' name only. Jesus is sort of saying there's a lot of fake, basically there's a lot of fake wedding feasts going on and I'm supposedly there at the table of honor, but I'm not there. I'm really not. My party is my party. Um, and, and that's like that's a confrontation. And that's perhaps what Jesus is trying to get at, at like group number one. Uh, feel free to throw out questions in, in the comments, and I'll try to follow. Group number two, the good and the bad people, right, who are later invited and who do show up. They're invited, just like the first group. They're invited. They're favored by the king. They have a place at the table with their name on it. And in this parable, it's not said, but we can assume somehow that the king provided proper clothes for them. Okay. There was some, some kind of, you know, I don't know whether it's black tie (laughs) or something, but the king provided robes for them and they put them on because why not? This is a party, you know? And so perhaps with this group of people, And bow ties definitely, banned. definitely. So perhaps group two, Jesus is trying to say that there's no possible way to earn the invitation to, to the party. The good and the bad alike will be partying and they will be robed by the king, whether they deserve it or not. They get the robes of righteousness and they get to wear them. And it doesn't matter if you like the other person, doesn't matter if you accepted the other person, as a matter of whether you vote like the other person,
0: oh my gosh,
1: they're robed, so they belong, and that's a confrontation and also an invitation too, right? So let's go to group number three: this nonviolent resistor, as John Powell says. So this is the person that shows up but refused to wear the wedding robes. He's speechless when he asks when he's asked about it. That's what the scriptures say. Because the the king comes up and says, Hey, why aren't you wearing the wedding robes? And the guy's like, That's my interpretation of (laughs) speechless. (laughs) Well, and then so the king uh, throws him out into outer darkness for not wearing the right clothes. Should we pause for all playtime? Is the king right in what he does? Is he wrong in what he does? Is the king God here or someone else? You can answer any question that you want to, but what do you think? What What do you think about this one? This is a tough one. Okay, Joe, I'm not really sure that the king is God. What a great point. I'm not really sure in this story that the king is God. The king seems to be on a power trip, says John Powell, totally. Perhaps Jesus is the one that gets cast out, Shannon says. Ooh, ooh, baby, this is why I love live. Come on, you guys. Uh, Is it possible that anger is an emotion worth exploring? Ooh, Becky. Yeah. So let's sit with the anger instead of judging it too quickly, <laughs> Laura. But if he doesn't have any other clothes, since <laughs> he burned the place down, that's right. He has no other clothes, right? He has to come. And, that's that's kind of funny. Um, I mean, I don't know if you meant it to be funny, Laura, but I I, I took it as kind of funny. Um, wow, the changes that changes the other two situations as well. Says Pia. Oh man, I wish I could understand more. Uh, from Matt, I'd like to know more about how much of a cultural insult, not wearing the proper clothes would be. What's the context? Yeah, exactly. Uh, do we treat others like this? Now Jenny's getting personal and I love it. Do we treat others like that? Like if you don't wear the right clothes, if you don't, then, then, then you don't belong. Um, okay. So here's, oh my gosh, you guys, we could go on on here's perhaps this is my view or one of my views is that perhaps this is the version we most need to hear and be challenged by. I think it's really valid to wonder if this is God or not. It certainly seems like this person gets treated really, really unfairly, but isn't it possible that those of us that live in 2020 really would prefer to wear our own clothes to be seen as respectable and to earn our place at the table. What if we really are too prideful to accept the royal robes that the king puts on us? What if we really do insist on saying i've earned my place at this table and the way that we subtly do that is to show our own glossiness and our own you know this is my outfit an outfit in this point is very much of a uh, metaphor right um and the truth is i think jeez that we would like like, imagine, you're, imagine you you put on the royal robes, okay, and you're partying. Then you notice this, this jack wagon refuses. There's a part of us that wants that person to get tossed out, right? So I think that was my timer that just went off, signaling it's time to end. What if, what if? This is meant to beguile us, to at times consider that we're the person that's wearing the royal robes and looking at the person that isn't and saying, get out, when we really have no business saying get out. Perhaps it's there to make us wonder about the ways in which we try to be glossy and shiny and earn our spot at the table, even though We were invited, good and bad alike, and we kind of know it. And also, why do we assume that this person is kicked out forever? What if this person in this parable gets kicked out and then comes to a moment where he goes, why didn't I just accept the robes? let's imagine that happens he's out there weeping and gnashing outer darkness but then he walks back into the party clunk, clunk, clunk. says to the king i'm sorry man i was prideful um and i I'd, I'd really like to be a part of the party what do we suppose the king, how, how, how the king would respond? And I don't know, the king of this story, maybe is 50-50. But the king revealed in Jesus, I bet would respond with a big old, come on in. This is kind of like the older son in the parable of the prodigal son. You know, there's the party, he's not going in. Let's imagine that, I mean, this this guy is kind of just like that older son, and in that parable, it ends not knowing whether he goes in or not. What if, what if he goes in? So I don't think Jesus in this parable is trying primarily, primarily, to scare people into just dressing the part or making sure that they're, you know, um, they accept the invitation, no questions asked. Um, ooh, I like that, Peyton. What if Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this with a question mark rather than a period? Oh, my gosh, that's a sermon in and of itself. Way to go, Peyton. Uh, the conversation at the watchboard here is about me, the king, and the party, are more like what the church and the religious leaders purport to be. That is if you're invited, but you now have to leave since you didn't change. Oh, my gosh. yeah. There's so much here. But I think, again, Jesus is not necessarily primarily trying to demonstrate how angry and petulant god can be grace is still the overriding theme because all three groups were invited in all three groups were told you have a place at the table your name is on it um the entire world has been invited to a party to a reconciled and reconciling dinner hosted by jesus and the dinners and the scriptures are all over the place right Jesus cooks the broiled fish after he's resurrected. Uh, Jesus lifts the the Eucharist after the road to Emmaus. Uh, There's the Last Supper, there's the wedding at Canaan, there's all these wedding feasts and they're all about abundance and not scarcity. They're all about the entire world having been invited. But Jesus does seem to be pointing out the importance of your choices. They matter. And I'm not talking about small or big moral choices, you know, right and wrong. I'm talking about the choice to align yourself with Jesus and not Jesus as your mascot and not the Jesus that you've created in your own image and not the Jesus of your political party, whatever it is, but the Jesus that went to the cross willingly and voluntarily to be the final scapegoat to end all scapegoating. The Jesus that says, I have come that all may have life and have it still full. The Jesus that's come to love all people and not condemn them. Will we align ourselves with that Jesus? Um, and will we recognize that the, the, the subtle ways in which we have made Jesus out in our own image and the Jesus that we are following might be a Jesus that is just fabricated. <laughs> what a terrifying thing that would be. But this parable is about remembering that we don't know if we're the good or the bad, but we do know that we can enter in after being robed with royal robes. uh, And while I accept that robe and refuse to try to earn it, while I refuse to compare myself with others. Amen. Holy mama. I almost didn't pick this parable this week because it's so confusing. And then I was like, nah, I have to. I have to. So this week, here's my question. What are your royal robes that God is inviting you to put on? Who are you rejecting? And what version of Jesus do you need to embrace? Tough questions, people. Glad we can do this together. Amen. Amen.